just wanted to talk to a couple of you. Uh, my name is John Paul Rice. For the people watching that may not know who I am, my friends know me. Uh, I'm an independent film producer. I've been in Hollywood for about 20 years. I started my film career in Remember the Titans. Uh, worked at Senator International, later Mandate Pictures, under the producers who did Juno, The Grudge, Harold and Kumar, Stranger Than Fiction, and uh, eventually The Hunger Games when they went back into Lionsgate. Uh, the reason I wanted to talk to everybody here today is because uh, over the last the course of the last week or two, we have found out uh, without notification that Amazon.com, for which we have six of our movies on there, our film, A Child's Voice, which has been on there for over a year and a half in the UK, the United States, and now 70 other countries, was suddenly, without notification, removed entirely from their platform. They unpublished it, and they made it not searchable in most of the sites. We've only tested a few outside of the United States, but the one in the United States, if you put in a child's voice in Amazon.com, you can't find it on the 1,100 pages that they'll give you back on your searches. The only way that you can get it is through a direct link, and we discovered this because the director's daughter had sent the links out to several of her friends when the Wayfair scandal broke, as well as the Maxwell files being released in the last 48 hours. And Amazon came back to us. They gave us a very standard corporate, non-committal response that said, we make a lot of changes, we do this and that and the other, we judge things based on performance. But they couldn't give us a very specific answer, and we all know what the answer is. What our movie did before Epstein was known about in the public and before Maxwell was known about in the public is we found a network of pedophiles among a global network of people who were selling kids back and forth to each other, trading them like candy. It goes right in through Hollywood. If you look at the Daily Beast article, you'll see that Jeffrey Epstein had a pipeline right into Hollywood through Harvey Weinstein. That was last year. I've done a lot of deep dives and research into this, and there is a very satanic element to it for which we incorporated it into our movie. Our movie is a feature film. It deals with two teens, one who's a homeless heroin-addicted teen, hears the voice of a child who had been killed at the beginning of the movie, calls out for his help, and he goes on a mission to rescue a girl from these human traffickers. They come together, and then they stand up to this network in a spirit of love and courage for all of these children. It's a very beautiful film. It's been well-reviewed, well-received critically acclaimed by the people that have reviewed it and also many users by the thousands by the tens of thousands by the millions all over the world have seen this so when we had all of this come up we went viral with it on twitter the other day and it exploded because we still have one platform left here in the united states and that's vimeo.com on demand what i would like everybody to do is more importantly, I don't need to get back on Amazon. I already know what they're going to do, and they've got a stack of lawyers. But we're looking for alternative platforms where we can release this movie and get it out to as many people as possible. Our movie is not a documentary. It's a feature film. And we did this based on all the evidence and the facts that we had learned and incorporated into a story that you get involved through the character's journey. Their road to redemption is through love. And... This issue of human trafficking, which many people are waking up to today for a variety of reasons, is the issue that defines all of us in our time. 
the media corporations, the most powerful six corporations in the land, in the world for that matter, are all implicated in human trafficking of kids. And I would point to anybody who wants to know more about that to look at Project Veritas and the, and the leak disclosure of off-air footage of Amy Robach from ABC News when she found out and was discussing in 2016 that they had everything from Virginia Guffrey, all of it. Everybody who was involved, they had all the evidence. Their own lawyer said that when all is said and done, Jeffrey Epstein will go down as one of the most prolific pedophiles in all of history, and they buried that story to have access to the royal family, for which we now know Prince Andrew was implicated. They did not have any remorse for the victims in that video. This is a bigger problem because most people know in that world, and the world that I come from in Hollywood, that it is a hidden layer that everybody knows is there. When the Me Too movement started in 2017, I reached out to several of my female actress friends who were prominent in L.A. You would know them by name. Many of them you would know by just their look because you go, oh, that was her in that movie or that movie. And I said, well, what about the children? What about the children? And, they, and the response was, we know, we know. But they were silent on it. And it destroyed me because it destroyed my illusion of what rights, human rights were. Children's rights were. This is a child abuse system that we have been living in for a very long time and it's been allowed to go on. And I will not be silent about this. Because it affects every single one of us. The people on television who smile at you, who tell you stories, who give you news, are the ones who hide all of this from us. They are not talking about the real issues. They are distracting you with division issues. This is a unification issue. When the Maxwell Files came out 48 hours ago, I went on MSNBC, I went on CNN.com, and I looked at every single one of their headlines, and there was no mention of it whatsoever. They were talking about John Lewis's funeral. They were talking about Obama versus Trump. All of the bullshit that you and I hear every single day. And it doesn't matter what side of the political equation you're on on this. This is a child issue. This is a human issue. This is not a political issue. It has nothing to do with left versus right, Democrat versus Republican, liberal versus conservative, or anything you are or you identify with as in between. We are faced with a crisis of consciousness among the leadership of our banking institutions, of our media corporations, of the Hollywood entertainment industry, of the music industry. This is not about a bunch of young women who were having sex with older men and make it about a bunch of perverts. They raped and tortured these girls against their own free will. No matter whether they paid them or not, if you read the articles and you listen to what Ghislaine Maxwell said about the girls that she picked up in West Palm Beach's trailer parks, she was asked, what about the young girls? What are we going to do to them? What, what's going to happen to them? She said, they are trash. They are nothing. That's a direct quote from the New Yorker. When I went and looked at edge.org, which you can find out was a multi-billionaire club of people, that was financed by Jeffrey Epstein. You can go to edge.org today, look up under people, and go to G. You'll see Bill Gates on there as a contributing member of that organization. 
And you'd have to go back in the Wayback Machine and Internet Archives to look at all the other people. Jeffrey Epstein was right on there. Marina Abramovich is on there. Paul Allen was on there. All the heads of major industries were on there. And if you start reading some of the articles, one of which I have a direct link to that I will share with anybody who DMs me, there is a direct quote on there that said, Indeed, human beings are, in our youngest years, use the most among the most useless creatures in all of the animal kingdom. This is how they view children, through science. This is their expression. These are people who have no ground to tell you what to think, what to do. So when they get up there and they start espousing their views on social justice or whatever the hell it is, know that you're hearing a controlled and scripted dialogue that is going through a filter by people who are very powerful, who hold a lot of money, and they are controlling and conditioning all of these people through pedophilia. And there's another layer to it, but it's too unbelievable to believe that they would also sacrifice kids. And I'll give you one statistic that you can look up and verify for yourself. If you go to UNICEF and you look up child sex trafficking or human trafficking, you'll find a statistic globally, worldwide, according to the United Nations, that 40 million people a year are trafficked around this world. 40 million. It's a $150 billion a year industry for which has very dark and ugly ties. And it goes all the way up into Wall Street and beyond. But I will say this, 5.5 million children every year are trafficked around the world. 5.5 million, most of whom don't live past age 7 or 8, which means they have to replenish that supply chain. We harvest, they harvest organs of children on a black market. In China right now, there are concentration camps for young Muslims to the tune of one million people. Nobody's talking about this as modern day slavery. They are beating these people, they are reindoctrinating them, and they are raping their wives to start a new bloodline. That's happening right now in China. You can find that on the Washington Post or the New York Times. Nobody else is saying anything about it in our politics, in our mainstream news. Nobody's talking about it. It is slavery of human beings is going on today, and it must stop, and it is a child abuse issue. All of these kids that were preyed upon, many of them came from bad homes. That's not their fault. But these predators, they come after our children because they can offer them things. They can offer them alcohol, they can offer them money, they can offer them drugs to lure them in. And suddenly, as you will find out if you read the Maxwell testimony, you'll find that what they were doing is they were saying, they asked T. Lane Maxwell, well, did you ever talk to her about money that she could earn about giving a hand job? or sexual favors to Epstein. And she went through this long explanation. Well, we discussed career advice, and I advised her, and possibly, you know, told her that where she could advance her career. That's as far as she would go, and then her lawyer cut her off. 
These people don't give a shit about anybody, and they get up there and they smile in front of you, and they are in infiltrated throughout all of our institutions, including government. They own the politicians, right and left. What we are going to find out very soon is that there aren't Democrats and Republicans in the United States government. There's a unified cabal of controlled people who serve these powers and they keep the theater going for you and I to run back and forth and vote every four years. I have watched horror story after horror story, and I promise you this is true. Go on YouTube and find Anake Lucas, who was a child sex slave at six years old for the elite. And she will describe to you, she also gave a TED talk on this, but this was in 2016. She talked about the block of wood that she saw with the stains of blood of children on it. The predators are not just raping and having sex and torturing and beating these kids. They're murdering them for pleasure. This is not a pedophile. These are psychopaths. And they have no remorse whatsoever in what they're doing. What we need to do in this world is unify together to protect all life on this planet and the sacredness of children. Because if we are going to make it through this time with all the upheavals that are going to come, socioeconomic, racial, however you want to measure it, this is the unifying issue that the establishment will not give you a movement for. You're going to have to do it on your own. They will give you the Me Too movement because they can make it about hatred of men and weaponize it and make it political. They'll give you the Black Lives Matter movement because they can weaponize it and make it political. They can have Colin Kaepernick take a knee, divide the country, and he walks away with a check from Nike at a multi-tens of millions of dollars NFL star-level deal. While Nike has concentration camp, slave labor camp workers Working in China at their factories, also our kids can have their Air Jordans. And Colin Kaepernick says nothing about that. Where are our Martin Luther King Juniors and our Malcolm X's? They're in celebrity culture. All of these people who get up and say that we live in an oppressive system are taking checks from white men who are paying them. And why I'm saying this is I'm so angry because it all ties into this abuse of human rights. We have to stop fighting each other and unite for this country and this world for our children. I don't care that Amazon took my movie down. In fact, it tells me that we're doing better than ever before and that this issue is spreading all over. 80 million impressions last month alone on TikTok for Pizzagate, for which if anybody looks into it, I tell them, go look at the New York Times coverage in 2016 and look at how they covered it, and then go look at James Elephantis' Instagram images. They completely omitted them. This is the family restaurant owner who is posting pictures of children in compromising positions and all of the friends that James Aliphantus has was talking about how delicious those kids looked. Would you send your child and walk into a restaurant for which the owner is publicly doing those kinds of things on social media in a public forum? Look at Pedogate 2020. Watch Out of Shadows. 
to get an idea of how disgusting these people are. And they have the gall to call you a right-winger or a conspiracy theorist or a white supremacist or a neo-Nazi. They'll do it to everybody. doesn't matter whether you're a Democrat or Republican. They'll do it to everybody. I've been called every name in the book, and I'm telling you this. I woke up because I listened to what other people were saying, and I waited and I sought out the truth for myself. I didn't wait for the mainstream media to tell me. Every single time there is a disclosure in Hollywood, all of these kids, I worked there for 20 years, I saw shit that nobody should see. I didn't partake in things, it was just right in front of me, out in the open. These kids, when you see Britney Spears, when you see Amanda Bynes, when you see any of these young pop stars have meltdowns, that's not because they're famous, that's not because of the pressures of stardom and the money getting to them. It's because they're sexually abused and handed around like candy. You go on crazy days and nights, you can go to Tracy Bean's channel and look up that video which she did at the end of 2019. It'll blow your mind. They have a pipeline of kids going from Haiti all the way to the Vatican on boats. And there are people in Hollywood who facilitate all this, stars who will go and date rich men. You can look up these, these stories are in the press. They're not, they're hidden like... They're, they're traveling and they're going over here. They're hanging out with billionaire men in the Middle East. It has nothing to do with the fact that they're Muslim. It's not even that they're Muslim. These are kings. These are princes. These are uh, heads of state, dignitaries, billionaire moguls, all hanging around Khan. And it's legitimate. It's completely legitimate. They call it yachting. And that's just the dating part of it and having sex for money, which they throw hundreds of thousands of dollars at some of these girls, depending on how long they'll stay with them and accompany them to dinners and have sex with them and do whatever they want in their orgies or whatever sexual perversions they have. This has been going on for decades, forever. Hollywood is just the most publicly visible because it's out in our faces, it's on our airways, it's on our TV all the time, it's in our music industry. You would not believe the level of satanic crap that is in there. And if you had told me this three years ago, I would have said, you're crazy. I thought, you know, that's a little, that's too far. No, 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 no. This satanic shit that is going on in our music industry and in Hollywood too, but mostly in the music industry, is so out there. Once you look at it, you see the occult symbolism, they use it in everything. Baphomet is everywhere. Pentagram is all over the place. And they sew it into the, to the consciousness of these young kids through witchcraft and all sorts of fun stuff. They make it fun. They make it sound fun. And it's sexy. But I'll give you this, just on the practical level. You look at every pop star over the last 20 years, and especially in the last 10, Ariana Grande, Miley Cyrus, where do they start? Innocence. Miley Cyrus is Hannah Montana. Innocence. She came out with a music video last year. For what? Where she had claws and teeth on her vagina. They promote diversity, tolerance, all of this to confuse people, and they don't even see it. Ariana Grande, unfortunately, I feel very bad for these kids because they're children, and they have to do horrific things. Kaya Jones, 
who I know personally, was a former member of the Pussycat Dolls. And she gave her testimony in 2017, right after the Las Vegas shooting, because she was there. And she started talking as, as far as she could go about what these kids go through. And her moment of clarity was she saw what everybody else around her in the group was starting to do. Sex was nothing. But then taking advantage of people and having no remorse for it, she saw another level to it. And it was the moment she was at the MGM Grand standing up there singing and these young girls looking up and idolizing these women you're the pussycat dolls i want to be like you she couldn't do it anymore and she walked away we can have truthful art in this world we don't need propaganda truthful art begins with a diversity of ideas and truthful information being disclosed we can have beautiful films we can have honest expressions in, that come from within us. The journey of art is to discover what is within you that is the unknown, which you follow a belief to find, but in that discovery there is the transcendent, which is what did I struggle with and come to confront within myself that I needed to release and share and let you decide what is real, what is true for you, in that honest expression. But the other stuff, which is I'm going to tell you what you should think, and these are the bad people, and these are the good people, and this is what you need to think, and this is what you need to do, and everybody just gets all excited about that. That is the same stuff that we've been doing for so very long. And Hollywood, I will tell you this, if you look back why there's reboots, remakes, prequels, and sequels, I've discussed this with many of my writer friends in Hollywood who were deeply embedded trying to help get the truth out through the disclosure in their movies. They all told me what the gatekeepers all know at the very, very top, not the executives, not the agents, not the managers. It's, it's like a banking institution. The person at the teller working with the customer does not have privy to the knowledge of the CEO and the chairman of the board and what they discussed the day before. They're just doing their job, right? So everybody does their job according to what they know. So Hollywood gets this, the word out through the studios, this is the kind of content we're looking for. But the gatekeepers at the very top are managers to make sure that we don't wake up. They control everything that we see, and it is very important for them to do that because they don't need you and I starting to have new ideas about things that go outside of the orthodoxy of what they want us to know. So the reboots, remakes, prequels, and sequels is like a holding pattern so that we keep retreading through the same ideas even though as humans our minds are to expand, to grow, to stretch, to reach out. And we're in a time where we're trapped between everything that we're supposed to do. There's so much cognitive dissonance. It's a reflection of this whole system which preys on children. That is the number one Achilles heel of this entire time. These people don't want you to know that. They want you to think that we're the problem instead of the one-tenth of one percent who control everything and have the gall to turn around and message to all of us and tell us that we're the problem or white people are the problem or black people are the problem or brown people are the problem. I live here out away from the city now 
And I'm in a town that is 50-50, black and white, roughly. We had a Black Lives Matter protest about a month and a half ago, good-sized crowd. We had white and black cops there standing while they protest peacefully, serving food to everyone, including the cops, next to a Confederate statue. Nobody was pulling it down. Nobody was yelling. Nobody was arguing. Everybody was getting along. Across the street, we had restaurants filled to the brim with people having fun, children and parents outside, eating ice cream together, no masks. And everybody was fine. This division that they're stirring up, I'm telling you this because you need to understand, they're going to do everything they can to tear this country apart at the seams. And they're going to throw everything they have at it to keep this truth from coming out. You all have to do your own work as you want to. Support the things that mean the most to you. If this human trafficking issue moves you and stirs you in such a way that you wish to do something about it, get involved locally. Your sheriff, your sheriff in your local town, that is the number one place to start because that's the person that enforces the law locally. Your local representatives and officials need to not only become aware of it, but make it a priority that it doesn't come into your neighborhood. And ultimately what we need to do is go within. Because this, I said earlier, is not a political issue and it's not a corporate issue. It's a human issue. It's a heart-led movement of love. That's what gives us courage to stand up in the face of such horrors. I know that from my own experience because I went through my own discovery of my abuse and had to come to terms with it. But more importantly, to heal from it was the healing within that gave me the power and the strength to forgive my father and mother not falsely and move on from it, but love them. Because I saw that my suffering was their suffering, and their suffering was my suffering. And I could care for them unconditionally, in spite of all that I had endured, because I realized that what comes about evil in the world is through darkness, which is unconsciousness, unaware of what they were doing with their best intentions. But let me say the opposite of this. The flip side of that equation is that every single child born in this world is born with love in their heart. Every single one of them. You may want to pick off one or two percent, fine. I'm going to give that to you. 99 to 98 percent of all children, seven and a half to 7.8 billion of us on this planet are born hardwired to love those two people that are supposed to be good to us. And what happens when you damage a child, when you hurt that child, when you humiliate that child, when you put that child second to your own needs, when you beat that child, when you spank that child, put fear in that child's heart and mind, that child will still love you no matter what because it can't conceive of the two people that were supposed to love them ever to do something that would hurt them and they will blame themselves and they will grow up with that all their life. The frequency and the consistency of that can make it worse and if there's no adult around that they can trust, they can grow up to become a pedophile if they were sexually abused.
That's what happens. There are some that are sexually abused that don't get that, but they had an outlet somewhere. Someone cared for them enough along the way that loved them enough to rescue them and save them and give them love and care. These are the kind of conversations that we need to start having in our own homes, in our own hearts. Because if we're ever to change this time, to never return to a time where our leaders that we elect, people who get appointed to boards and the heads of industries, do this shit to children. This is our consciousness doing this, unaware. These people prey upon abused children because they can offer them something that they don't have at home. It's the same thing with gangs. They don't have a family that loves them. So they go and make their own family somewhere else among a group that is just like them. That's their identification. All of us are seeking love with a veil over us if we were damaged as kids. And we find it in different ways. We find it with our partners. We find it around the people that abuse us. We want to be loved. Every child is born with that love inside of them. It gives them the power to carry on and not kill themselves. But when you damage it to such a point and destroy it, you're going to get terrible outcomes. You're going to get people who beat each other. You're going to get people who bloody each other. You're going to get people who murder each other because they're so angry. And I don't think for a moment that we are prepared to deal with that on a mass scale. This, this child sex trafficking issue is something that we're going to learn many, many things about over the next several months into years from now. And it's going to horrify a lot of people. It's going to traumatize a lot of people because there's unconscious traumas that are going on inside of each and every one of us at different times and at different levels. This is not a judgment about you or anybody else because you know you better than anybody else. But I'm going to tell you there's a couple of things that need to go out there and need to be known. Number one, learn about Alice Miller and her work. Drama of the Gifted Child, For Your Own Good, The Body Never Lies. Those three books right there are paramount to understanding the lingering effects of harmful parenting. And we're not just talking about mom saying a bad word to us. I'm talking about systemic abuse that is in the home, that is carried within us for a very long time, and we tell ourselves the story that my mom and dad did the best they could. Half of that is true, because if they had known what they were doing to you at the time, they would have stopped. I hope. The second thing is to learn EFT, Emotion Freedom Technique. It was developed by Carl Dawson, and it has now been integrated into matrix reimprinting. You can go on YouTube and look up the videos there. This is something you can do yourself. There's also a technique called Havening by Paul McKenna. These are all on YouTube, but EFT and Matrix Reimprinting by Carl Dawson, and there's many, many practitioners out there now. And what this thing is, and I've done it myself, is it takes the emotions of the past and the thought associated with them, 
the anger, the rage, the depression, the sadness, which we often bury or get busy with doing something else, and it breaks the connection permanently. This is a technique that has cured people with PTSD for over 20 years. Manic depression in 60 seconds has been cured permanently where people have been on every single drug. And there's endless testimonies to this, and there's practices of live demonstrations of this being done on people. It is a beautiful thing, and it is the thing that we need to begin to change our brains, to change the way we think, and to open our minds to a loving heart that each and every one of us is born with because we have a battle ahead. We are going to have a lot of human carnage that we don't see yet having manifested because of the horrors that have been sown into society and our children who are being summoned by this energy, this negative energy, this anger. And they are going to be pulled away from themselves even further and given a righteousness to act in the name of violence against their fellow human beings. I cannot tell you the depths of how far this goes. I can only point you in one direction. If you look up Ronald Bernard and his testimony in the International Tribunal of Justice in 2018, it's about a 33-minute video. It will tell you the entire time that we're living through right now. And it is very important. And there is a message of love and hope in there that he gives you. And I have met this man through the internet and I've been talking with him over the years and he is writing a tell-all book that he's going to be out with in about six months from now. But he is as courageous as anybody that I've ever known and he went through his own suffering and he went all the way up through the power structure, through the banks, at the very top, the tippy top, and saw what was going on behind the scenes. And he was horrified, and it broke him to pieces. So just know this. Your love and your care for yourself and the people that love you back, most importantly, every single child that you come across, Every single one of them, even not your own, that you give an act of love to is like a deposit of gold in the bank for their future. You don't know what trajectories you are turning them away from by giving them that little smile, that little beauty, that little extra affection. It is magical to watch a kid pop up the moment you give them attention. Very rarely as adults do we do that because we're so busy and we've got so many filters. But children are open. They're very, very open, and they're extremely programmable. The first seven years of their life, they are 100% programmable in a delta and theta brainwave state. And that means that everything that you speak to them, they take it in. They absorb it into their subconscious mind. The energy, the frequency, and the vibration. So if you put negative energy out there, they're going to absorb that in. And that becomes part of their personality and their habits that they will develop over time. We have to start learning. We cannot be caught in this division anymore. The people that are doing the division know very well how to make you angry. And you have to say that's about enough. And when you do... And when this world comes together, 
against these monsters, they will have no more power because the only weapon that they have is fear. That's how they get to these kids. They give them fear and they put fear into them and they keep them controlled through fear and they do exactly that with you through the television, through the media, through your politicians, through all the institutions to cause you despair and anger and negativity where you argue amongst each other. I worked in the banking industry for 14 years in the Bank of the Stars, the one-tenth of one percent that catered to Hollywood. And I can tell you very clearly, these people have gotten away with next to murder. So that's all I wanted to say. Amazon, Bandor Film, I don't care. I want you to know that it's on Vimeo.com, on demand. You can go to our website, No Restrictions Entertainment. You can find the movie there, rent it. And here's the thing. If you see this movie and it moves you, send it to everyone you know. And I don't even mind at all that you share your account with other people so that they don't have to pay for it. I'm that adamant about this issue. I have studied it so intensely, and I don't recommend people doing that unless you have the strength to endure it, because you'll have many sleepless nights. But I'm going to tell you this. Our love for our kids is greater than all the horrors that these people have ever done in the history of the world. And they know that, and they know what we are. They know that we come from a creator of heaven and earth. That is not a religious belief. That is why they do what they do to kids, because it's the closest thing to God that we have on the face of this earth. And our love for our kids is unbelievably powerful. Unbelievable, the energy that that sends out into the world. And our love and care for each other is unbelievably powerful, more than their fear. They have to get you to consent and believe in them to make the whole thing work. So... With that said, thank you all for listening and tuning in. Please share this video everywhere. I love you all. A Child's Voice on Vimeo, No Restrictions Entertainment, Save the Children, End Human Trafficking, and Love Will Win. One of the questions coming through here on the Telegram, is people want to know how can they trust you? How can they be sure that you're not part of this cabal? People throw around the term like controlled opposition. Someone said, oh, Ricardo Bossi, he's a, he's a Freemason as well. What's your response to that? First of all, don't trust me. Trust yourself. This is what being a fucking adult's about, you wankers. <laughs> controlled opposition, fuck off. I know who the controlled opposition is, and you look at it most of the night on TV. So get off your lazy asses, do some fucking research, and realise... You make a mind, you make your mind up. And if you get it right, 10 out of 10, if you fuck up, it's on you. Don't fucking trust me. And if you do, you're a fucking idiot. Do your fucking homework. And on the balance of probabilities, make a decision and own it. Because the people that are going, Ooh, I don't know what to do, fuck off. I fucking mean it. You fucking tossers. Grow up. Get a pair of fucking stones. If you don't trust me, go start your own fucking political party. Go save somebody. Go deliver a meal to somebody's hungry. Go fight for some guy whose daughter's 14 years of age with fucking leukemia and the doctors are trying to fucking poison her with a jab. Because that's the shit that we do on a daily fucking basis. Controlled fucking opposition. You've, got, you've been living with controlled opposition. Ring up Morrison and ask him if he's a fucking pedophile. Go on. You brave fucking tiki keyboard warriors that never once risked a fucking thing 
I spent 24 fucking years in the army protecting sickos like you, not you, David, but the fuckers that never done anything. And now uh, my family and I have given up everything for this. Fucking Freemason. If I was a Mason, that would fucking hung me my day, you dumb cunt. Fucking seriously, grow up. Do your fucking research. You don't like me? I don't give a shit. I don't fucking care. Oh, don't you want votes? No, I want to save the fucking country. There's a big difference. There's controlled opposition every day talking to you. And I bet you these cockheads are part of that controlled opposition. This has cost me fucking everything. Okay, here's a little one to finish on. You know what I eat on a daily fucking basis? Rice and onions. You know why? Now, I've got food in the pantry for my kids. They get a decent feed. But I'm eating rice and fucking onions sometimes because that's all I've got for me. So I'll tell you what, I'll go dollar for fucking dollar and I'll bet you you've got more money in your account than I do. I bet you you eat, it more, you eat better than I do on a regular fucking basis. And I'll bet you you've done nothing in your entire miserable fucking life that didn't involve satisfying your selfish fucking needs. You wouldn't understand duty and sacrifice if you fucking tripped over it. So all you fucking idiots out there that want to worry about controlled opposition, you should, but they're in fucking government, you fucking morons. Every fucking politician is aware that there is a, a list of 28 VIP pedophiles. Not fucking one has mentioned it. And Craig fucking Kelly... Oh, I don't know anything about it. You want controlled opposition? Go see fucking Clive Palmer and Craig fucking Kelly. He's a fucking politician. This came out years. He's been in, in Parliament for fucking 10 years or more. Never asked a fucking question. You want controlled opposition? You want to know a party that's going to give votes to the Liberal Party? Go see fucking Clive Palmer. Clive Palmer's the guy that made $3.8 billion from the Chinese Communist Party this year. I'm fucking broke. Palmer's fucking stinking rich while the Chinese communist, through their corrupted government, is killing Australians, you fucking morons. I am sick to fucking death of it. I don't give a flying fuck whether you like me or vote for me. Fuck off. Go vote for fat boy Palmer and the pedophile protectors. Because you scumbuckets are the reason we're in this fucking problem. You know why? Because a lot of people don't know. And those that do know are too fucking lazy and too fucking scared to do the fucking job. So get off my fucking back and fucking put your face on screen and go risk your fucking life. You fucking cowards. And I fucking mean I've had a gutful of this shit. They can fuck off. And don't ask me another fucking question about David or I'll fucking hang up on you. I've had a fucking enough. I've spent my entire fucking life serving this fucking country. And these two, two cent fucking wankers... They spend 90% of their time looking at porn on the internet, the other 10% bagging somebody else. Fucking grow up. FBI, Los Angeles, California, retired in 1979, March, and uh, shortly after my retirement, I was asked to investigate the Jeffrey R. McDonald case as a private investigator. He's a former Green Beret doctor who was convicted of murdering his wife and two children in Fort Bragg, North Carolina, February 17, 1970. 
It's a long story. I put in about 2,000 hours on the case. <clears throat> when the case uh, first began, my investigation first began, I uh, told Dr. McDonald that uh, I would investigate the matter for him. He had just been convicted and was sentenced to three consecutive life sentences. I think I'm going to sneeze. I didn't make it. Okay. Three consecutive life sentences. Uh, I told him if he, if I found out that he was guilty, I would no longer be on the case. I would drop my investigation. Much to my surprise, from the evidence that I read, information that I developed over a period of several years, I've established beyond any question of a doubt that this man is absolutely innocent. And on October 25, 1980, I obtained a signed confession from Helena Stokely, the girl in the floppy hat, if you know the case. By the way, uh, there was a best-selling book, Fatal Vision, and a movie out on this. And the girl in the floppy hat said that Dr. McDonald did not commit those crimes. They were committed by my satanic cult group. And it was my initiation into the cult that night. And she gave me detailed information about the movement within the house that night, who did what. And I said to her, Helena, uh, how do I know you're telling me the truth? And so one of the questions I asked her, the whole series of questions I asked her, and this is on audio video in some instances, the video, but always on audio. She said, uh, I said, Lena, tell me about the, describe the uh, jewelry box on the dresser in the master bedroom. And she described it right to a T. And just to make sure, I went down to Sears Robot and got a catalog and brought it back. And I said, Helena, pick out the jewelry box in this catalog that was on the dresser. She picked out the jewelry box. It matched. Also, she told me that she attempted to ride a rocking horse in the child's bedroom that night. But she couldn't ride it because the spring was broken. The only way she could have known that spring was broken was to have been there the night of the murders, February 17, 1970. So anyway, uh, I submitted a 1,200-plus page report, actually 1,100-plus page, almost 1,200 pages, uh, in uh, March of 1981 to the FBI. Judge Webster, with a personal letter, he was director of the FBI. And I said, Judge, I believe this man is innocent, and he'd run out of money, and, you know, I'd continue to work it as I usually do. And uh, I think that the FBI should continue along the lines of my investigation and much to my surprise I started receiving by the way it also went to the FBI and to the US Department of Justice the Solicitor General's office and much to my surprise my witnesses my 19 new witnesses including Alina Stokely started calling me and saying uh, hey Ted the FBI has interviewed me they're trying to get me to recant and I'm saying to myself that isn't the responsibility of the FBI. The FBI is supposed to gather information, not destroy it. And that was my first clue that we had a serious problem in that case. And then I continued on, and I had a number of other cases that I handled privately. And in each instance, I noticed the evidence was lost, destroyed, stolen. Uh, I noticed uh, that there were strong indications of corruption. So I asked myself, now what's going on here? And over the years, I started gathering material 
until uh, about two years ago. Up until about two years ago, I kept saying there's a loose-knit network operating in this country involving drugs, pedophilia, pornography, prostitution, corruption, etc., etc. Two years ago, from my research, I'm convinced it's much more serious than that. It's more than a loose-knit network. It is a conspiracy. And you know how the news media comes after us when we use the word C, conspiracy, that C word. Well, they can come after me all they like because I guarantee you right here and now we do have a conspiracy and I'm going to prove it to you here today. Now, one of the things that convinced me and really got me started in this regard, by the way, this conspiracy involves pornography, drugs, corruption, involves pedophilia, involves organized child kidnapping rings, the finders out of Washington, D.C., CIA cover, covert operation involved in the international trafficking of children, terrorism, bank accounts, and the word, and it goes on and on. By the way, I, I strongly urge you to go to my booth after this lecture and get my research, my, my book and my research on missing children. We're going to go into that a little bit in the lecture. But my missing children lecture documents that the finders, an organization in Washington, D.C., is a CIA front. It's a covert operation. They're involved in the international trafficking of children. And I have a U.S. Customs report, official U.S. Customs report, in my book on the missing children. So I urge you to get it. It's only 10 bucks. Now, if you buy any of my products, any of my research, I beg of you, I don't want you to buy it unless you make a half a dozen copies and send it to your friends, okay? The name of the game with me is not copyright. I could care less about copyright. The name of the game is education, education, education. We need to know what's going on in this country today. So anything, any of my research that you buy, please make copies and get them out to your friends. That's what it's all about. After one of my lectures, here's about two years ago, this is why I changed my mind from and using the word loose-knit network to conspiracy. After one of my lectures, a gentleman came up and gave me a book. He said, Ted, in fact, that lecture was specifically on the McDonald case. Ted, here's what it's all about. Take this book and read it. And this is the book, folks. It's called Pawns in the Game. Now, if you don't know this book, you don't know of it, I urge you to, to buy it. I've been trying to buy it, but I noticed one of the vendors out here has it. And please go get the copy of this book. I forget which vendor has it. What? CPA book. Yeah. I noticed they had three copies. Are you for CPA book? Huh? Richard Flowers. Go get this book when it's over. And order some more copies. I'm going to order some myself and start selling them in my flyer. Anyway, it's called Pawns in the Game, and it's by William Guy Carr. William Guy Carr had the same problem I did. He wanted to know what's going on in America and in, around the world. He was a Canadian, however. And as a result of his research, he wrote this book. So we have the Illuminati. Now, the Illuminati... Uh, was established 
1776 by a fellow named Adam Weishoff. In 1773, he was commissioned by one of the Rothschilds, uh, House of Rothschild, to put together an organization called the Illuminati. And he culminated his work in May the 1st, 1776. If you'll notice, that's a communist holiday. And uh, we're going to have to move along pretty fast. For, this is actually a four-hour lecture I'm going to give you today. We're going to do it in probably an hour and 15, 20 minutes. But some of his goals uh, and the goals that he was commissioned to set up, there were 25 of them. And here they, they are right here. Here's the beginning of it right here. And rather than read each one of them, I'm going to summarize it, okay? Because we've got a lot of work to get into. Number one issue was men are inclined to evil rather than good. Number two goal and issue was to preach liberalism. Number three, use the ideas of freedom to bring about class wars. That's what we're doing today. Number four, any and all means should be used to reach our goals. Uh, as they are justified, any and all means. Number five, their rights lie in force. That's we're talking about the Illuminati rights lie in force. Number six, the power of our resources must remain invisible until the very moment when it has gained the strength that no cunning or force can undermine it. And if you will notice, it's been a very... Uh, no, very few people know about the Illuminati, so they have maintained their invisibility until most recently. Number seven, advocated mob psychology to obtain control of the masses. Number eight, use alcohol, drugs, immoral corruption, and all forms of vice to systematically corrupt the youth of the nation. I mean, deep, I don't need to document that one about South Central LA, CIA drug operations coming in there. How about uh, Mena, Arkansas? Drugs coming into this country, arms and munitions going out. If you don't believe me, talk to Terry Reed, talk to Chip Tatum, talk to some of these other individuals who I know personally know. During the recent, last fall actually, drug hearings by Mr. Arlen Specter, Senator Arlen Specter, one of the big phonies of Washington, D.C., the magic bullet theorist, theorist. Uh, I watched those hearings and I couldn't believe the mamby-pamby weak witnesses he brought forward. People that really had no direct knowledge of the drug operation. And that hearing was about bringing drugs into South Central LA by the CIA. I sent him a list of 16 names of people who had personal direct knowledge of drugs being brought into this country by the CIA. Never heard another word. None of those people ever appeared as witnesses. I might also mention in Oklahoma City, I sent my report, copy my report back to the committee. I sent them a fax and said I had information which would be vital to your investigation of the Oklahoma City bombing. That report, by the way, is also available to you. I urge you to buy it. Never received a response. Uh, number nine, seize property by any means. We're seeing that on a daily basis. Farmers, businessmen, people who are arrested for on nebulous charges, their property's being taken away from them. Here's an example right here. This lady right here, she lost everything. Everything. They've come out and raided her house twice, Linda. Twice, Linda. This lady had a house that she bought before her marriage. 
It was in her name, and they seized it. She no longer has that house. And number 10, deal with the use of slogans such as equity, liberty, fraternity into the mouths of the masses in psychological warfare. Boy, if that isn't Bill Clinton, I never saw it, never heard it before. That man is unbelievable. As uh, former Congressman Denemeyer describes him, he's a draft-dodging, womanizing, pathological liar. And he certainly fits into item number 10. Number 11, dealt with war. Number 11 theory and goal. In 1773, Adam Weishoff set down policies that were publicly announced in 1939, folks. 1773, publicly announced 1939 by Britain and the United States. And the war should be directed so that the nations on both sides are placed further in debt and peace conferences conducted so neither combatants obtain territorial rights. Yalta. Perfect example. Stalin, Roosevelt, Winston Churchill after World War II. Number 12. Told those present that they must use their wealth to have candidates chosen in public office who would be obedient to their demands and would be used as pawns in the game by the men behind the scenes. The advisors will have been bred, reared, and trained from childhood to rule the affairs of the world. We have that today without any question. The men behind the scenes. Number 13, control the press. If you heard my lecture yesterday on Oklahoma City, I documented that the mainstream media is being controlled by the big power people, by the phony politicians, by the bureaucrats, without any question about it. Information in the media, am I having an itchy nose today? Maybe I'm going to kiss a fool or something, okay? Um, we have, we have a, a documentation of that, and I have that in one of my, some of my lecture material out in also my books. Number 14, their agent tours will come forward after fomenting traumatic situations and appear to be the saviors of the masses when they are actually interested in just the opposite, the killing of the masses. The riots in uh, Watts, the riots in South Central L.A., folks. Number 15, create industrial depression and financial panic, unemployment, hunger, shortage of food. Use this to control the masses or the mobs and use the mobs to wipe out all those who dare to stand in the way. Well, I'll tell you right now, every expert I've talked to is talking about food shortage. And it's coming, I'm convinced. And we also know about the market crashing here in October. I had a market specialist on my radio talk show, and if you don't listen to my show, I urge you to, because it's a real good, solid education for you. Just this week, George Green, he was also on my show on October the 6th. George told us on October 6th there would be a crash of the market in October. It came. Now he told us this week there will be another crash and it will drop, he thinks, 2,000 points. We'll see what happens. I hope it isn't true. Number 15, create industrial depression and financial panics, unemployment. I've already covered that. Number 16, infiltrate into the secret Freemasonry to be used for their purposes. That's been documented many times. Number 17, expound the value of systematic deception. Use high-sounding slogans and phrases and advocate lavish promises to the masses, even though they cannot be kept. Again, Bill Clinton. Uh, George Bush was good at that, too, by the way. What's the difference between the Republicans and the Democrats high up? Nothing. Zero. 
You know, uh, Mr. A, who has a booth next to mine, Mysterious Mr. A, he uh, talks about um, subliminal messages. If you look at the logo of the Republican Party, you know the elephant with the three stars across the top? Well, if you look at it today compared to two years ago, the stars have been inverted. The it used to be at the top two years ago. Now, the point at the bottom. Satanic folks, I can't say for sure, but that's a subliminal message. Inverted stars. Number 18, detailed plans for resolution. Discuss the art of street fighting, which is necessary to bring the population to a speedy subjection. Number 19, use their agent tours as advisors behind the scenes after wars through secret diplomacy to gain control. Number 20, establish huge monopolies toward um, world government control. We're, we're seeing that today, the huge monopolies. Number 21, use high taxes and unfair competition to bring about economic ruin by controlling raw materials, organize agitation among the workers and subsidizing competitors. GATT, NAFTA. Number 22, build up armaments with police and soldiers sufficient to protect our interests. In uh, a few years ago, we had 11 federal agencies that were authorized to carry sidearms, firearms. Now we have 39. Number 23, members and leaders of the One World Government would be appointed by the director. Okay, uh, Presidential Directive 25 allows the president, by, by the way, this is uh, classified, secret, not available to the general public, allows and orders that the president of the United States in the event of a conflict or a crisis in this country transfers the power, his powers, over to the Secretary General of the United Nations. Number 24, infiltrate into all classes and levels of society of government for the purpose of fooling, bemusing, and corrupting the youth members of society by teaching them theories and principles that we know to be false. This is the outcome-based education program being shoved down our throats by the United Nations. Number 25, national international laws should be used to destroy civilization. There's talk about the world population being decreased to 500 million, the United States population being decreased to 20 million. And uh, we look at the, uh, uh, the war that we had in the Gulf, Gulf War Syndrome. Look at the people that died there. There were 700,000 troops, American troops there. Four-fifths of them today cannot even do a push-up because they're so ill and so sick. They've been washed out of the service. We have a new army, basically. And um, the story goes on and on. Okay. What's, uh, what are we talking about here? There's a, a considerable overlap uh, in the United States from the various groups, organizations, individuals, whatever you want to call it. But one of the driving forces behind this movement, the Illuminati, is the satanic cult movement in this country today. Now, I, when Alina gave me that signed statement, I said, what in the world is this all about? I don't know anything about Satanism. I heard the word, and that's about it, from the Bible, of course. So I began my little journey forward. And one of my, one of the matters that I developed information about was an individual I learned about was Alistair Crawley. 
He likes to have his name pronounced Crowley to rhyme with holy. And uh, the Satanists today, and for the number of years in the past, have basically used his philosophy and his writings as a guide. And uh, so uh, let's talk about some of his writings and teachings. And here we have of the bloody sacrifice. And here we have the blood is the life. And here on page 94 of his book, it would be unwise to condemn as irrational the practice of those savages who tear the heart and liver from an adversary and devour them while yet warm. In any case, it was the theory of the ancient magicians that any living being is a storehouse of energy varying in quantity according to the size and health of the animal and in quality according to its mental and moral character. At the death of the animal, this energy is liberated suddenly. The animal should therefore be killed within the circle. That's, we're talking about the satanic circle. The, uh, or the triangle, as the base may be, so that its energy cannot escape. An animal should be selected whose nature accords that with that of the ceremony. Thus, by sacrificing a female lamb, one would not obtain any appreciative quantity of the fierce energy useful to a magician who was invoking Mars. In such a case, a ram would be more suitable, and this ram should be virgin. The whole potential of its original, original uh, total energy should not have been diminished in any ways. And now listen to this sentence, folks, closely. For the highest spiritual working, one must accordingly choose that victim which contains the greatest and purest force. A male child of perfect innocence and high intelligence is the most satisfactory and suitable system. We're talking about human sacrifices. There are, in my estimation, over three million practicing Satanists in America today. Now, how did I come up with those figures? I have informants. I have an informant in South Central L.A., population of 200,000, told me there were 3,000 practicing Satanists in that. That's where the famous, well-known uh, case, um, uh, McMartin case on the preschool took place. I have an informant in Lincoln, Nebraska, told me 3,000 practicing Satanists. Lincoln, Nebraska, town of 200,000, South Bay area, Manhattan Beach area, about 200,000. How much time? 30 I'm getting, I get more than an hour today. So just crank up your cameras. Huh? I'm going to take an hour and a half. Okay. I'm going to take every, every minute I can give to you folks, because you need to soak this into your brain. Uh, Iowa City, Iowa, a town of 150,000. Uh, excuse me, 100,000, 1,500 informants. That averages out about 1.5% of the population. Anyway, uh, this is, uh, we're talking about uh, human sacrifice. About 50,000, 50 to 60,000 individuals are sacrificed every year. There are eight basic satanic holidays. There are other holidays for the various covens, but there are eight basic ones that they all honor. Now, one of the practices, this is another book of Aleister Crawley, one of the theory, now we talked about human sacrifice, okay, there it is, right in their book. I mean, I didn't invent that. That's there. Another, another aspect of their 
religion, if you want to call it religion. By the way, the federal government does recognize the satanic movement as a religion. Yet in Linda's case, the word Satanism was brought up by her husband's defense attorney. They sealed the records, have not made it available. And when she writes to her children and says, believe in God, she gets a letter back from these people saying, you can't mention God in your letter to your children. That's just an example. Okay. Okay. This is, we're talking here about the 666. That's the the beast. That's Alistair Crowley himself. Moreover, the B666 advises that all children shall be accustomed from infancy to witness every type of sexual act, as also the process of birth, lest falsehood fog and mystery stupefy their minds, whose error else might thwart and misdirect the youth of their the growth of their subconscious system of self-symbolism. What we're talking about there is children from birth being exposed to sex. These people. The satanic movement in the world has set up preschools throughout the world for the purpose of getting their hands on our children. The parents drop them off at 9 in the morning, come back and pick them up at 4, 3, 4, 5 at night. In the meantime, in many of these preschools, the children are exposed to sex from the time of birth. In Linda Wiegand's case, it's exactly what happened. These children have been exposed to sex from the time that her ex-husband got his hands on those babies right up to the present time. And I have a page missing, and I'll have to dig that one up some. I don't know what happened to that page. Maybe the Satanist got it. <laughs> it may therefore be considered improper the general rule for your sexual gratification to destroy, deform, or displease any other star. Mutual consent to the act is the condition thereof. It must, of course, be understood that such consent, and we're talking about sex now, is not always explicit. There are cases where seduction or rape may be emancipation or uh, initiation to another. Such acts can only be judged by the result. What they're saying is, it's all right to rape somebody. I mean, if they don't consent, it's all right to rape them because it's for the cause. Let's talk about the McMartin case. In uh, April 1985, uh, authorities went to the McMartin case and looked for tunnels under the school. The children had said that they were taken into tunnels under the school. There was a chamber down there. They were sexually molested. They involved, that involved ceremonies, adults with robes, candles, chanting. Adults had no clothes on under their robes. And they were taken up into a tunnel and a triplex, a bathroom, trap door, of the triplex next door. They were taken out in automobiles. We're talking about two, three, four-year-old children, folks. And, and, and prostituted in the community. The authorities uh, received this complaint in 1983. They began their investigation. The authorities finally, in 1987, 85, excuse me, went out and decided to look for the tunnels because they said the children were hallucinating. The children also said that they were taken by air up into a mountainous area where they were exposed to satanic ceremonies based on what they described and brought back in time for the parents to pick up the kids. So the authorities didn't find anything. Uh, we're getting off. To pull those next slides.
Well, I'll tell you what. In the spring of 1993, I heard that the property of the McMartin School had been sold from the McMartin family to the defense attorney, actually given to him. He didn't make enough off the county. His bill was only $3 million. And from there, he said he was broke and he sold it to a contractor. The contractor was going to build an office building on the space. And uh, I heard that uh, the contractor had this property. And so I went out and contacted him. And I said, uh, dear sir, I would like to have access to that property. He said, I'll give you two weeks. I signed a contract, assumed liability, and along with some of the parents, we hired an archaeologist from UCLA, Dr. Gary Stickle, knowing full well that I'm not qualified to say there's tunnels under there, even if I found them. And we began our dig. At the end of two weeks, I had to stall, 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 because Dr. Stickle was not quite ready to admit there were tunnels. It took us 34 days. At noon, the 34th day, with the bulldozers, with their motors running, ready to knock the building down, he was going to knock the building down and then build this office building, Dr. Stickle said, you know, I can say without any question right now, there have been tunnels under the school, they were filled in. Now I'm going to show you the documentation on the tunnels. This is, a, no, keep it there, keep that there. Uh, this is the, uh, what we found, this is a preliminary report. I have a 186-page scientific report available to you out here if you're interested, by the way. We found a nine-foot-wide subterranean entrance under the west wall of Dog Room. There were four classrooms. That was Ray Bucky's room. By the way, Virginia McMartin and Ray Bucky were tried. Virginia, uh, the grandmother, was acquitted. Ray had a hung jury. And we found these tunnels in the middle of the second trial of Ray Bucky. They could have been used to convict him. We called the prosecutor. He sent his investigator out, Mr. Perez. Mr. Perez told me, I don't want you entering in my conversation with the, with the archaeologist. I said, why? He says, you're too argumentative. And I said, well, okay, you go in and talk. I'll just keep my mouth shut. We went in, he talked, and he, he argued with the archaeologist. There's an investigator not qualified to talk about tunnels. He said, there aren't any tunnels there. And the archaeologist, of course, argued. But anyway... They didn't use that evidence, strong evidence, in the second trial. They ignored it, right in the middle of the second trial. I might mention this. The children identified professional football players, professional uh, baseball players, household name actors, actresses, and the son of the leading politician, not a leading politician, the leading politician in Los Angeles as being perpetrators. Okay, we found... Uh, we found an avocado tree root cut on both sides of the entrance, and I'll show you this in just a few minutes. Uh, the entrance of the tunnel, as I said, it was nine feet across the top, and on one side was a live avocado root, on the other side was a dead avocado root. They had to cut that out. We have, we have this, by the way. We found a plastic Disney bag, copyright 1982, about four and a half feet below the classroom floor, and three to six uh, inches in from the entrance and under the foundation. Now, the reason that plastic Disney bag is so important is because we think that they filled the tunnel in in 1982 when the complaint was initially brought to the attention of the authorities. I said 83 early, it's 82 when the complaint was made. And when they filled it in, the plastic Disney bag 
somehow or other flew in there as they were filling in and nobody notices. Now, who says there's no God, right? What documentation, fantastic documentation, that that tunnel, the entrance to that tunnel, this is right at the entrance, was filled in in 1982 or sometime subsequent to 1982. Mr. Ken Lanning, the outstanding know-it-all FBI expert, behavioral science says that I took that garbage bag in 1993 out of a trash can and placed it there, that I planted evidence. Of course, Mr. Glanning says there's no organized satanic movement in this country today. There's only a few dabblers here and there. Thank you, sir. We have another three hours to go. Okay, can you hang in there? Okay, uh, the tunnel proceeded south, then 45 feet through classroom four and three and north, then uh, 10 feet within the classroom four. The tunnels were 30 inches wide, 44 to 46 inches deep, with the top of the tunnel 30 inches under the classroom floor. The children were able to walk through it. We're talking about young kids now, right? The adults had to stoop down and walk through it, but they could do it. Uh, the tunnels were built in, a, in, a, in kind of a triangular, or I should say a semi-circle type, so that they had natural support, I guess. These people know everything. They're brilliant. Uh, the uh, footing between classroom three and four was arched where the tunnel passed underneath it and 12 inches shorter in depth at this location than the same footing 12 feet to the north. I'll show you that in just a minute. That's significant because the arch was where the, the tunnel went and it was arched in that particular location whereas uh, 12 feet uh, away it was 12 inches longer or thicker. Uh, <clears throat> footing between, uh, let's see, uh, there were four large upright containers were found in the tunnel under the arch, obviously hand-placed. A nine-foot wide chamber was found along the tunnel across classroom four. The top of the chamber and the top of sections of the tunnel had layers of plywood covered with tar paper, which had apparently been supported by cinder blocks and two-by-two two and two-by-four wooden posts found underneath. Tunnel features made it evident that the tunnels had been hand-dug. The, uh, the seven-foot tunnel extended into the triplex next door. The tunnel extended from the bathrooms off the office and classroom one to the front yard of the triplex next door. Front yard concealed from the street by a three-car garage. Children described the entrance and exiting tunnels in the triplex yard exactly where the tunnels and exit were found. A 39 by 41-inch area under a hole cut in this neighbor's bathroom the floor had been excavated and subsequently tilled. Now, that was where the kids the kids told us ahead of time that they were taken out up in a trap door in this bathroom. And uh, there was a crawl space in the house about like this, and we got one of our skinny archaeologists to go in there, take pictures. The bathtub protruded underneath the floor of the bathroom. There was a bathroom in the back of the same building in another apartment. It did not protrude there. This was the space we're talking about, 39 by 41 inches. Just enough room for a kid to come up and be taken out. Other significant facts, small white plastic plate with three pentagrams, hand-drawn on the top of the light green paint was found by the archaeologists. Uh, pentagrams had, were hand-drawn by an adult and not part of the manufacturer's design. Many other artifacts were found whose analysis will be released upon completion of the test. The analysis has been released. That's the scientific report I told you about. Uh, no doorknobs were on classroom three, only a dead bolt lock. Each classroom had an on and off switch, which was labeled fire alarm. The system did not connect to the fire station, but was used as an alert within the school. Uh, 
if somebody came around. More than 2,000 artifacts were found under the floor, the school floor, including over 200, over 100 animal bones. Uh, due to the constraints and time constraints and so forth, we had to discontinue uh, the process on noon the 34th day. By the way, this uh, cost us, a lot of people donated their time. Uh, it still costs us money. It costs us between fifty-five and $60,000. Uh, I, I personally put in $17,000, which I ended up, uh, in many instances, paying over a, a long-term period uh, payment plan. This is a uh, floor plan of the whole lot. There is, right there, the building itself. This is the entrance, the concrete slab, a vacant lot there. This is a, a, a yard. And here's the avocado tree we're talking about. And here's the entrance right there. Now here is the tunnel. It came in here, extended here, and here, and here's the chamber across here. We think, but didn't have time to explore this. The tunnel went up here. Now we definitely were able to come up with it here, right here, and it came into the bathroom over here. Okay. There's the entrance. It's nine feet across here. I'll show you a diagram in a few minutes. There's the avocado tree. Those roots are live. Over here, we had a dead avocado root. Okay, next. There's a, uh, a plate that was found in the play yard, buried about six inches under the sand, with the pentagram on it. That's right. And here's a diagram of the tunnel. This is the entrance of the tunnel. Now, that's the floor, the footing for the classroom four. Here's the plastic Disney bag was located right there, partially under the footing and partially out and this AF means artificial fill and this was the shape of the entrance okay. here's your diagram these are your uh, drawings artificial fill here's the avocado root there here's the dead root over there distance 120 or 21 inches below and 14 inches below the footing. Um, there's the avocado root there, live avocado root. And these are all diagrams by the archaeologists. Good documentation. There are the roots themselves. That shows you the size, two, two centimeters. Next. There's the plastic Disney bag. Turn it over. There's the plastic Disney bag. Disney, classroom 82, 83, sandwich bag. It was a sandwich bag. Um, this is shows the arch of the tunnel. Now, the school was built in 1966, which means the foundation were laid, was laid then. And here's your arch. And this is the from classroom four here into classroom three over here. And it was 12 inches higher over to the left. Go ahead. There's yours truly looking up. Uh, this was in classroom four, as I recall. And this is where the tunnel extended, right along here. Now, the reason the tunnel's been filled in, you have to understand that. And the reason the archaeologists could say that they were filled in is because the texture of the dirt that had been filled in was different than the natural texture. Okay, just turn it off for a minute.
an addition to the tunnels, I developed information that an abandoned satanic site was in Crestline, California. Crestline, California is in the mountains. The kids said, remember a few minutes ago, they were flown by jet, or flown, they didn't say jet, into the mountains. There's an airport 10 minutes from the McMartin Preschool. It's Hawthorne Airport. There's a landing strip in Crestline. I heard about this abandoned satanic site, and I went up to the site, took pictures. And this is what I, by the way, before I go on with this, I called the prosecutor in the McMartin case. And I told her, hey, I think I know where the children were taken. If they weren't, it's certainly worth looking at. And I will be glad to make this information available to you. And if you want to have the children go up and look at this abandoned satanic site, we can. She said, we're not interested. They weren't interested in hardcore evidence, the tunnel. They weren't interested in this abandoned satanic site. Go ahead. This is what we found. 666, one of the satanic signs. That's a stone on the site. The house was up, had been up here. The day after the McMartin case broke in the news, the house burned to the ground. And, uh, and it was here. The street's on the other side of the hill. You cannot see the site, this area down in here, from the street. You have to go in, would have had to go in through the house and come down. And this, you can see it's quite elaborate. There's my associate, Judy Hansen, who works with me in L.A. And uh, next... This is uh, looking at the opposite direction of the picture we just took. And you can see there's San Bernardino down in there. And uh, you can see that uh, on the side of a mountain like that, nobody's going to find it unless you fly over with a helicopter. That's probably an altar, flattened stone. Uh, also an altar, another altar that had been broken. This is, uh, of course, you recognize the star. Now, this is a satanic symbol. Put the next one up. Hold the first one. There it is right there. Put the other first one back on. Now overlay them. Turn it around that way. Okay, any question about that, folks? No. Now let's read what that says. Day. As Asmo Day, a strong and powerful king appears with three heads, the first like a bull, the second like a man, the third like a ram. He has a serpent's tail, the web feet of a goose, and he vomits fire. He rides infernal dragon, carries lance and pennon, and is the chief of the power of Ammon. He must be invoked, be bareheaded, or otherwise he will deceive. He gives the ring of virtues, teaches arithmetic, uh, geometry, and other handicrafts, answers all questions, makes men invisible, indicates the place of concealed treasures, and guards them if within the domain of the Amamon. Oh, what do we got here? Another satanic symbol. You think that wasn't a satanic site? Overlay it. Okay. Is that it? The other way around, isn't it? Yeah. Flip it around. Okay, there you go. Okay, now let's read what that one, what that uh, sign means. 
that is the seal of Amsmuscale. I, I guess that. No, that's the wrong one. That's the one before. Belial, a mighty king created next after Lucifer, appears in the form of a beautiful angel seated in a chariot of fire and speaking with a pleasant voice. He fell first amongst the superior angels who went before Michael and other heavenly angels. He distributes preferences of senatorships, causes favors of friends and foes, and gives excellent families. Familiar? He must have offering and sacrifices made to him. Next. And there's another satanic sign. I couldn't make that one out, so I couldn't match it with anything, obviously. Here's some ovens. That was a large, large circle with a number of signs in it, a lot of writing. Uh, we couldn't get up high enough that we could uh, take a good picture of it. Next. And let's put that, put that back a minute. That's another case. Okay, um, nothing came of that. Uh, nobody was interested in an abandoned satanic site, even though it appears to have been related to the McMartin case. Um, I have to say that uh, I was very disappointed. We gather this evidence privately. The police don't have the capability of doing so. Too many high-pressure people involved. Too many prominent individuals involved. Uh, so that's just, an, uh, that's just an overview of the McMartin case, folks. Uh, no question in my mind uh, that uh, it was uh, a satanic operation. And Dr. Roland Summit, a UCLA psychiatrist, says, we've done a lot of research in this field also, that there are 50 other preschools in the country where the kids have talked about going down into tunnels. Now... This is another case that I worked out of Philadelphia, similar case to Linda's. And this is the Lou Bear case. Lou called me back in, I guess, the late 80s. And uh, he said that uh, he had uh, gone underground with his children. The, the great FBI came in with their SWAT team, as they did with Linda, raided his house, grabbed him, put him in jail, took the children, turned them over to his ex-wife, whose boyfriend, according to the children, was sexually molesting them. And uh, Luce said, what can I do and how can you help me? So I was willing to go back and testify for Lou. And uh, one of the uh, matters that I was going to testify about was the drawings by the kids. And it's a, not a funny thing, but it's an established fact that children who have sec been sexually molested, for some reason or other, when they're, you know, two, three, four, five, six, eight, ten years old, whatever, will invariably draw pictures of their activity, of this activity, of their exposure to these nefarious uh, matters. Invariably they do that. Now, when I was that age, I was drawing cars and airplanes, and the girls were drawing flowers, right? But these kids invariably will draw these pictures. As you can see from Linda's case, she has pictures at her booth that her children have drawn. Now, this was a... I was going to go back and testify for Lou... And I was going to say that based upon my reviewing the pictures drawn by the children, they've been exposed to a satanic activity. This is the most telltale of all the pictures. You're going to, I'm going to show you a series of them. This is a totem pole with a goat's head at the top, children at the various highest level. I understand, again, I'm, I say I understand because I'm not sure because there's so much secrecy involved in the satanic movement. Eight, ten layers of 
classes of people within themselves, like the dabblers on up to the very highest level. But from my sources and my informants, I've been told that the very highest level of Satanism, you will have the totem pole, which is usually three to six feet tall, made out of wood, with the goat head at the top. So I was going to testify that based on my experience, that these children were exposed to the highest level of Satanism because, mainly because of this drawing right here, the goat hole, the, the totem pole with the goat's head. The judge would not allow me on a witness stand. I flew all the way to Philadelphia from Los Angeles, wouldn't allow me to testify. These are some of the other drawings. Uh, this is a, a body on a, on a slab, on, undoubtedly an altar where they sacrifice in blood. The genitals. And let me mention this also. Children who have never been sexually molested in a recent study, not a recent study, a study back about seven or eight years ago. Children who have never been sexually molested do not draw the genitals. Children who have been sexually molested a high percentage of them that draw the genitals, and so children who have been ritualistically sexually molested, a high, higher percentage will draw the, the, the uh, genitals. Uh, little Matt Bear drew a picture of people, a fire, baby being thrown in the fire, human sacrifice, obviously. An altar, bone, liver, blood, kitty. And another uh, ritual of ceremony. Here's trees, people, fire. And another, people have no cloth on, he says. Table, knife, devil. Okay, that's the Lou Bear case. Now, I think we're going to just, we, we got just a few more minutes, and I want Linda to take the podium, talk about her case. But I'm going to run through these next slides real fast, Linda. 100,000 children disappear every year per Reader's, per Reader's Digest, July 1982. Next. This is the official U.S. Customs Report that establishes the great CIA, under the name Finders, a covert operation, is involved in the international trafficking of children. It's about nine or ten pages long. We'll just flip through the pages. If you want to take a look at this report, go to my table and take a look at it. And if you want, please buy it. It's $10. Make copies. Get it out to your friends. Okay, keep going. Just go real quick. Again, keep going. Go to the last page. Just flip them and then just go to the last page. That's how long it is. Keep going. That's it. Okay. The way this case came about is uh, a group of children were seen in a park in Tallahassee, Florida, 1987. The uh, police were called. The men were well-dressed. They had a van. Police came out and talked to the kids. The kids said that they were en route to Mexico to a smart school. And the police traced that van back up to the Finders in Washington, D.C. They raided the Metropolitan Police Department, raided the Finders headquarters and also a warehouse. And they found all this paraphernalia. They found information about international trafficking of kids all over the world. The finder, based on my research subsequent to that, again, CIA covert operation. The customs agent was called into it because of the possibility of pornography. And I guarantee 
that there was pornography involved. Guarantee, okay? Now, this report, this was his report. Again, this is available, missing children, $10 at my booth. This report is the final interview by the customs agent when he attempted to go over and get more information than he'd already developed. Okay, let's just go over this. Leave it there, leave it there, leave it there. Okay, April 2, I arrived at the Metropolitan Police Department at approximately 9 a.m. Detective Bradley was not available. He was the detective who was supposed to help him. I spoke to a third party who was willing to discuss the case with me on a strictly off-the-record basis. I would advise that all the passport data had been turned over to the State Department for their investigation. The State, they found, uh, they found uh, passports in the van. The uh, State Department, in turn, advised the Metropolitan Police that all travel and use of the passports by the holders of the passports was within the law and no action would be taken. This included travel to Moscow, North Korea, and North Vietnam during the late 50s and mid-70s. Folks, it was illegal to travel there, travel there to those countries during that period. The individual further advised me of circumstances which indicated that the investigation into the activity of the finders had become a CIA internal matter. The Metropolitan Police report had been classified secret and was not available for review. I was advised that the FBI had withdrawn from the investigation several weeks prior and that the FBI Foreign Counterintelligence Division, that's FBI headquarters by the way, had directed the Metropolitan Police Department not to advise the FBI Washington Field Office, that's the field office, of anything that had transpired. No further information will be available, no further action will be taken. No action will be taken. The case was closed, and here we have a CIA internal matter. The finders group, the finders case, the organization, was founded by a CIA agent back in the early 60s, and here we are, 1987, still operating. I have the man's name. I have all the information on it. A real quick overview, CIA experiments with mind control on children, MKUltra. This is an outstanding article. It's, again, it's available. In that same report, just flip, flip the pages. Keep going. Okay. Folks, I'm going to turn the podium over to Linda Wiegand. We have about another 15, 20 minutes, I believe. And Linda's going to talk about her case.